Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Chit Heads. My guest today is Steve Peterson. Steve Peterson started Taoist Alchemy and Qigong on the recommendation of his family doctor. The practices both had a dramatic effect on his health and set him on a new spiritual path. He now teaches it to anyone and everyone who wants to learn. In his day job, he manages software product projects, and he lives in Chapel Hill, North Carolina with his wife and family. Hi, Steve. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Jacob. Uh, great to be here. So um, so in that short bio that I just read, it mentions that these practices that we're going to talk about a lot today and the philosophy um, around them really had a profound impact on your life. So I'd love to just start out maybe with you taking us on that, um, that journey, telling the story of how you encountered these practices and, and how they have um, helped you. Yeah, well, this is a, a story I, I tell a lot to students, but it started basically uh, when I, uh, I couldn't sleep. Mm. That's how it started. I couldn't sleep. I was like insomniac. I was like, after like three or four weeks, I was almost insane. Mm. And um, so I, my family doctor was kind of a, in the, uh, the Rudolf, the Rudolf Steiner School, oh, yeah. which is kind of a holistic school, and he suggested he hooked me up with a guy who had who uh, was a Buddhist monk actually, but who had um, trained a lot in with Mantak Chia, who is a teacher of who taught a, a number of Taoist practices, and one of these was the microcosmic orbit, which is a kind of meditation, and so. I went to this guy and it was like, I started doing this meditation and like, bam, it was, it was like instant change for me. I could instantly, it was like within a few days I was completely able to sleep and it was like, wow. Mm. Uh, so that, that's what started me on this. But, um, so it was very, and a lot of people who start on it have a specific crisis or specific need that they're trying to address. I find, mm -hmm. but but what kept me with it was that over the course of the, um, you know, and I kept with this basically because I had to, because if I didn't do it, then I wouldn't be able to sleep anymore. So it was right. like I had a carrot and a stick. Um, uh, so, but as, as I kept practicing, I noticed, now you might not be, uh, I, I'm a little older than you perhaps, <laughs> but if you're, when you pass 40, you will notice, uh, that, um, that every month or every year, some new insult to your health emerges, whether it's a new twinge in a knee, a new allergy, uh, a little less energy, you know, any of a number of things. And uh, so what I noticed is that process basically reversed. And I, I felt, you know, every month something going away that I had accumulated that I didn't really want. Wow. So, so just from a health perspective, it was like an amazing change for me. Mm. 
So do you think uh, when you're, you're mentioning that those those processes started to reverse, are, are you saying that are they to a certain extent, some of those pro- those processes of aging that a lot of people consider to be sort of inevitable are, are not necessarily inevitable with the right practices? Is that sort of what you're implying? Uh, well, from my perspective, yes. Yeah. I mean, in the Taoist uh, tradition, they say maybe 100 or 120 years that were given. So we will all eventually die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's not like a it's not, know, a, it's not a complete <laughs> it's not a complete cure for life, um, but uh, for death. But it what it does, but we fritter it a lot away. Mm-hmm. So most people, you know, uh, don't live that long. And part of the the explanation is that we waste our life force on a lot of resistance to a lot of things that we don't need to or fighting we're swimming upstream in cases that that doesn't really serve our purpose so so and you know we're sort of at war with ourselves mm-hmm. which over time basically that takes a lot of your energy out of you yeah yeah so so basically the 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 these sort of not so inevitable processes of aging or at least ones that might be um uh i don't know um moderated in a certain sense by these practices are they is it is it's the result of kind of an energetic drain that's happening from our habits is that the idea and and that the the taoist practices that you found are kind of concentrating or honing those energies in a more productive or life affirming way yes and there's there's many specifics but yes in in a nutshell that's true there is there's a, a several causes of poor health, okay? And, uh, and these are all, you know, I come at it from the perspective of health because that's yeah. kind of a common language everybody can talk. Of course. But there really is a spiritual, there really goes hand in hand mm-hmm. with your own sort of emotional grounding inside and your own spiritual path. But yeah. for purposes of of your question, I'm just going to stick with the health side of it. Um, but like, for example, uh, um, kinds of habits that, that, uh, that make you a spendthrift in terms of your energy, I like uh, that word spendthrift of energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Is, uh, uh, poor, poor eating habits, yeah. uh, sleeping habits, um, so, and these are things that I'm sure yoga people are well, uh, aware of. In fact, they've really perfected this and really, uh, articulated many of these things well. So there's habits like that, which, which are, uh, and, and bad sexual practices, I guess you could put it that, that waste energy. So there's that whole, there's that whole sort of just general practices of how you live your life, you know, just what you physically do, but, um, sort of in a, in a more internal way, uh, your emotions are people, I don't want to say they, they're buffeted by their emotions. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the first things that you learn or one of the one of the first formulas or practices is called emotional alchemy mm. where where you're 
uh, you're learning to uh, basically find your ground and find your find your earth that is a balance of a lot of these uh, different voices that you have inside uh, that are are sort of have different needs. Mm. And so I guess that's a kind of rambling explanation, but I guess the effect the, the, the way it it manifests itself is you might be in, in out in the world and talking with somebody or in a situation and you know somebody triggers you for some reason and you whether it's you, you get angry and you don't really know why or uh, or maybe you're sort of a, adopted a posture of constant anger basically that you've sort of you sort of have adopted as you yeah. You've said, okay, you sort of identify with this emotion and it could be anger. It could be sadness. It could be a, a lot of these, um, you know, negative emotions that uh, it could be fear. So you ad- adopt these postures and you sort of, you identify with them too much. And so that what happens is it's, it's the equivalent of, of leaving the garden hose on and then going on vacation you know, you forget that it's on and it's constantly running up your water bill. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but over the course of time, um, you know, you're paying more and more money just, and you don't even know where it's going. Yeah. And in reality, a lot of your energy is being used to feed these emotions uh, sort of on a chronic level. Mm-hmm. And so where you want to, where you want to get to, is that, you know, recognizing the emotions and, and feel them fully, of course, but it doesn't, but you want to get to a place where you're not necessarily, they, they aren't you. Yeah. Yeah. You They're recognize. more, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love this, uh, the use of the term posture that you're using because it's, I, I actually, as a yoga teacher in my classes, I, I often use that term because it's relevant to, you know, the fact that we assume postures of the body in, in, in asana practice. And then there's also this, uh-huh. you know, a posture of the mind. And of course, in a, in an asana class, often we're, we're trying to, uh, you know, assume the posture of the breath in a certain sense or something that, that allows us to see that where we're kind of existing in our own emotional um in our own emotional space is a kind of as you say um adopting of a posture and and i think most people don't recognize that where they're at emotionally mentally is an is something that's modifiable or alterable and so these practices is what i love about them and and this is where i'm seeing a connection here between what you're talking about with these practices and yoga practices is that there is um it's offering the vision of a kind of flexibility of mind and heart that allows you to see the kind of um, the changeable nature of the postures of your own mind. So, so you can move in, in maybe we might say, I don't know, liberating directions or, or health inducing directions. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so now I want to, uh, I love this idea you mentioned about, um, a, a Taoist alchemy, and I know you've mentioned this. So, is there anything else you can say about that? What? How does the alchemy? You know, if we're to say, okay, there's a Taoist philosophy, and then there's Taoist alchemy. Is a Taoist alchemy just kind of the practice of the philosophy, or is there is there something else there? Well, 
alchemy as I know it is a very specific practice and it's a, it's a kind of meditation. And, um, so what I've experienced in my lim- my very limited experience of yoga classes is, uh, you know, that, you know, and I, and I've gone to the, the Hatha yoga classes with the postures and, and, you know, getting in touch with your breath and, uh, all these things are very helpful in uh, in setting the stage. I think what Taoism and 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 there's possibly practices in yoga that I've never been exposed to, but that take take give you sort of a a more prescribed path, I guess, a more a formula, which is a, a type of meditation um, that can really help. In, in getting you to this place where you find this freedom that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it's not because it's one thing to, to say, you know, you know, real, try and realize that you have a freedom, that you're not your emotions, but it's hard to know, well, how do I get from here to there? You can yeah. say that, yeah. but, but a, a practice is more, well, how do I do that? Yeah. And so that's what that's where this difference between, you know, when we were talking before the program, we were talking a little bit about the difference about between philosophy and practice. And so, you know, uh, you have you have kind of a dogma in Taoism. And I call it dogma slightly disparagingly <laughs> because and I, I, sh- I shouldn't. But I mean, it's sort of like these these uh, these maxims and these statements and these uh, that that are, yes, they're all well and good. And they and they are they are sort of a a result in my mind of living the practices. But you can't get there without the practice or rather I can't. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let me just put it that way, because I need, I need something more tangible. Yeah. So, can you give us a, a couple of examples of those maxims that are without practice or sort of that feel dogmatic? Well, just the statement that uh, you have freedom, you are not your emotions. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's that's one that that. Yoga and Taoism have in common, yeah, in a way. Totally. Saying that you are not your emotions is freeing slightly, but you know everybody is is looking from the inside out, right? You're in your own, you're in your own space, and it's hard to know how to get to this place where where you separate yourself a little bit from your emotions. Yeah. So, um, so a, a practice that would help that helps with that is for example, called fusion. And it is, it is emotional alchemy. It's basically where you're, you're setting up a energetic dialogue inside between your different Shen, what they're called in, in Chinese medicine, which are kind of body spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have Shen that are associated with the heart, your heart Shen, which is your love and your kind of your expansiveness and 
you set that up in dialogue with your your kidney shin, which is more your your deep your batteries of your body and your 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 sexuality and your will to survive, for example. So setting up this, I'm calling it a, an energetic dialogue. That's it's not quite. I mean, there's a. It's not quite. I, I guess that's that's sort of a high level view of what it is. And and you've got you've got five shin in your body. So the idea is to balance these out, allow them to freely exchange, and and by that process you liberate all this tied up energy that they've that these shen have have been consuming basically for very good reasons or maybe once were very good reasons for example you know if you're a, if you're a, a child um, and and uh, you suffer a humiliation that probably was nothing more than being scolded or or being injured in a slight way, but your shin learn at that point mm. uh, a pattern yeah. that to avoid this. And your shin are just you know they're trying to help you navigate this world, and so you learn your shin are learning all these things. And and some of them are like children still. Some of them are grown. Some of them are like children. So the idea is you you want to treat your shin your as as children. And and so how do you let your children grow? Well, you give them support. You give them attention. Um, you let them play. And so in that process, your shin grow. They support each other. So you become more an integrated family, mm. if we want to carry the metaphor further. Yeah, why not? And um, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, in the end, you have kind of a, a more unified common cause with all your aspects of yourself. Mm. Yeah, I like that. It's very, it reminds me, um, I want, I actually was going to ask you about the Shen, so I'm glad you brought it up. It reminds me a little bit about the, the chakras, um, in, within the yoga tradition, but what I like, and I'm curious, you had mentioned before that, you know, there are many voices inside and are you, were you sort of partly referring to these, because you referred to them as body spirits. So I immediately thought, okay, these are, you know, spirits, so they have different voices. Is that kind of the idea that there are, that the Shen have um, almost a personality of their own that based on our own development can um, be can, uh, can be integrated or complementary to one another or they can be in conflict? Is that sort of the, a bit of the gist of it? Yes, very much so. Mm. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's that's very interesting. And I want to um, uh, ask you now something that you brought up sort of, I think just, um, just in passing, but I thought it was a really important, um, thing to explore, which is you had mentioned spirituality and health and the, and the connection between them. And I would love to kind of get your thoughts on this because, you know, this is, I guess the overall, um, if we could say, you know, if we could, um, be really general and say Eastern philosophy, 
um, one of its main um, insights is that there there is no separation between spirituality and health in a certain fundamental way, and 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 yet in our culture, you know, in our mainstream um, uh, American or Western culture, there's there's a kind of disconnect between these two, and and generally they are they are not. Um, thoughts to be connected. In fact, they're very much, you know, at least in the in the mainstream domain, they're uh, they're completely separated. So, do you have any thoughts on this and 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 um, and sort of what you see as maybe being a problematic approach to health based on this insight from Taoism and other traditions? Well, I you know, clearly, I've uh, you know, I, I share a lot of what you're saying that that spirituality is very much connected to health um, and that uh, clearly modern medicine is falling way short it, they're you know they're, they're sort of looking at it from the point of view of mechanics yeah and uh, and so they're missing out on a lot of things I think it's on us as the experiencers of our health and our lives to fill in the gaps where we need to. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can't necessarily go, even if the doctors were, uh, schooled in this, in, uh, in Eastern philosophy and, uh, and these sort of integrative practices, I mean, it still is on the individual to adopt them, to make them happen. Yeah. So, but my, but my experience, you know, with, with uh, the the uh, where they come together is that um, I, I can say that I feel I feel for example in doing some of these practices for the first time I felt that the this idea of the life force that's coming in me mm-hmm. and and uh, keep giving me life is its own kind of intelligence and, and it's not necessarily mine. Mm. And it's sort of, it's, it feels like a gift. Yeah. And so I can't necessarily explain. It was, it was in the course of many of these practices that I came to feel that more and more, but it's a, it's a, it, it makes it, created a profound change in how I looked at myself and the world and sort of where my place was Yeah, because it's, it's was less about me. Um, and, uh, and still, you know, I have, I've been given this life and I have, <clears throat> and I have, um, I've been given these kinds of strengths and weaknesses and, and, and whatnot, but it's not all about me. It's sort of, I've been given this partly to serve the whole. Mm -hmm. And, and that shift was, was a big thing for me. And I, uh, I, I don't think I could talk you through because I think everybody is clouded in that vision by different obstacles. And so everybody needs to remove different clouds from the vision needs to resolve different emotional conflicts to see and feel more clearly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I can say that 
one thing I love about the Taoist path is that it seems to work for any it's kind of a general spiritual technology, yeah. <laughs> if you want to say, that seems to work no matter what your tradition is. I yeah. mean, I grew up Christian in a Christian, you know, I wouldn't say like, I grew up in a United Church, which is a pretty progressive church. Yeah, that's pretty progressive. And, but there's, there's many people in this, in this, uh, in these practices that are Buddhist, that are, you know, uh, Yoga is their practice. There's atheists or uh, agnostics. There's, you know, so it, it works. It helps you because you're, it comes to, it helps you from wherever you are starting from. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I guess that's what I mean by general purpose, spiritual technology. Yeah, no, I, I like that term spiritual technology. And, um, and what I, what I like about it is that, you know, I, I, because I think there is a misunderstanding in a lot of these traditions that it requires some kind of faith or belief system. And, 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 you know, and, and some people would consider Taoism a religion and yet, you know, there is no, uh, at least from my understanding, there is no, nothing that looks like God in a, in a, in a kind of traditional sense. So it's a wire, how are we calling it a religion? But, but it, it's, you know, it doesn't require belief in the sense that, you know, if you just have the discipline to engage in the practices and you experience, it's almost like a form of experimentation. If you just, if you have the discipline to make the choice to, <clears throat> to practice these, um, uh, these practices for a given period of time, you will see the results and that will, that will then, you know, um, I don't know, what would the word clear out the kind of skepticism that you might initially have, but that's not a necessarily an operation of, of belief. It's an operation of, okay, I'm, I'm working with this hypothesis and now I'm going to experiment to see if the hypothesis is true for me. Well, that's, that's, you could, yes, you could look at it that way. That's, uh, certainly, um, if you're, if you start out with kind of from a show me perspective mm-hmm. and you want to be rigorous, that seems like a, that seems like a good way to, to look at it. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was very <laughs> diplomatic of you. Um, okay. So now I want to, so I have a couple of questions. Actually, one is a really sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a silly question, but I just want to know what the, if there's any significance in the decision to um, spell it with a D or a T Taoism, what, what's the difference and why, why the difference? Is there um, it's more, no, no, no difference. It's okay. uh, it's more just a, you know, translating Chinese characters to English. There's there's different there's different uh, sort of systems. Just like there, you could spell qigong with Q I G O N G or C H I K U N G. Yeah, I noticed it's, that in your in your in your in your um, bio that you had chose the K U N G. So are you a D or a T Taoist then? <laughs> I've sort I, I've uh, I, I've sort of moved to the T Taoist and the C H I spelling of Qigong because that's what most people 
recognize. I see. Yeah. So I'm just going with the flow there. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we've been talking a lot about the practices and that's great. And I, and, and, um, and I think a lot of people are going to be, uh, for those that haven't heard of these practices before, hopefully be really inspired by the work that you're doing. <clears throat> but I want to ask a question, just sort of a general question about the connection between the, these practices and what I might read in the Tao Te Ching uh, on Tao, you know, on the Tao. So I'd love to ask you the question, just what is the Tao um, from the philosophical perspective? And then how are we to understand the relationship between these practices and that uh, kind of, I don't know, metaphysical principle? Hmm. Well, for me, what Taoism's, and this might be, of interest uh, to yoga practitioners in because in some ways yoga and Taoism are similar but there there are some very fundamental differences that partly is just cultural from where they came from China versus India and partly it's um, you know and maybe it's it's sort of is part of the philosophy. But in my experience, things like Buddhism, practices like Buddhism or philosophies, Buddhism, Christianity, um, you know, all, all the, most of the Western philosophies, and I would put yoga in this, in this category, uh, although I will not stand firm on that because I'm not a strong, I'm not a experienced practitioner, but tend to be what I would call fire practices or sky practices. There's sort of this idea that you want to transcend. Yeah. And so that there's there in Christianity, it's all about, uh, the afterlife yeah. getting to heaven. And you see this in a lot of practices where, and so, so, and indeed, you know, the elements in Western alchemy, earth, air, fire, water, and ether, you know, it, ether is the central element. Yeah. And so, which is kind of a, a sky and etheric yeah. idea. Yeah. Whereas in Taoist practices, the central element, this is the central Shen, is earth. Mm. So, so in other words, so how that translates is it's sort of like, you know, whether you're looking at tunnel that you're digging from one side or another in Taoism, you're starting from where you are mm. and your own earth, your own body, yeah. and you're expanding out from there. Whereas from a lot of the sort of the sky religions, sky philosophies, you're you're really sort of starting from an ideal, yeah, and trying to reach yourself from there, mm-hmm. and and so my experience, at least for me, now I know that there's some people that that that's perfect for them. For me, I had so much resistance in my own body, I guess, to something imposed, seeing some ideal imposed from the outside, that. That was like, uh, that was the wrong end of the tunnel to start for me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I needed to start from more, 
from myself and and feel like it was a natural extension of of my existence. So that's so um, so that's what colors my view of what Taoism is. Is that it's much more based on a natural, almost it's got more in common with American Indian philosophy mm. than than sort of uh, than anything else that I've seen. Mm. Mm. So, so yeah, I, is that yeah, yeah, and and um, and then so then the the notion of the Tao as the way or the path and and the kind of um, you know, really beautiful poetry that we see in, in, um, in the Tao Te Ching about, you know, aligning, uh, aligning with this way is really about kind of, from what you're saying and how I'm connecting this in my own mind is, is that in order to do that, we have to go, um, within, in a kind of imminent sense. So we have to sort of, um, ground ourselves with the earth element in or, in order to begin to align with that uh, that great way or the Tao. And is that sort of uh, is is that a good way to put it? Or do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's 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 good. I think it's like um, well, I, I would say that there's people that have different different kinds of skills that they're given. And so a fire, an, a sky, sort of a fire method can work great for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't know that it's it's not like a one size fits all. Sure. But but I think the way, the idea of the way and the path, is very much about finding this balance point between what what the change that's going on in the earth and the world around you. And your own, your own virtues, and your own needs, and so the the way is finding that balance point between the two. So you're not, you're not like, you're not ignorant of what's going on around you, because then you're just going to be basically swimming upstream. Yeah. Or you might find yourself doing that, and you don't want to be completely focused outward because then you're denying your own what you bring to the table mm-hmm. as well. So for me, the path, this, this uh, means finding that balance point. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you put it that way. I, when I was reading, oh, I was reading something last night and it was um, in the way it described uh, the way was kind of like getting out of it. It, it. it almost seemed like it was, it was sort of prescribing getting out of its way, you know, in the, like you don't like Wu Wei is uh, to this idea of Wu Wei that I was reading about is that it's, it's really, um, the no action action in the sense that you're not, um, you're not, um, ignorantly, this is the way I would understand it, because I guess you could read it and be like, okay, so I'm just supposed to do nothing or, or it's more like, no, you're not supposed to act ignorantly in opposition to something that is, you know, at root, a part of the kind of changing nature of what's happening. And so part of this practice is really aligning with what is in that kind of flow and flux of life and working mindfully or rather skillfully with that, um, what, as you're saying, like the change that is, um, happening within and the change that's happening without and balancing those two. Yes. Beautifully said. Okay. Beautifully great. said, I think. Awesome. 
Um, and if you're reading, um, another key book that I found very helpful is, is uh, the Ching, mm. which talks about change that's happening out, outside and the different ways to respond, to, nur- to foster change, to protect yourself, you know, sort of. So it's sort of the relationship of the individual to the world and the, and the best way to deal with change. Yeah. And it's a great um, – I'd encourage you to take a look at that uh, to see the variety of strategies mm. Mm. And, uh, and to think, well, do I have that strategy in me? Yeah. You know, and, and when, when would that be called for? It's, it's, it's very it's – very, Helpful. Now, the Yi Ching is, you know, sort of viewed as a as a uh, way to tell your fortune or to to give advice. But um, I, I sort of see it as being kind of a a guide to the many different ways of handling change. Mm, I love that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone describe it that way. That's that's really great. Yeah, I think I've always, I haven't really picked it up because I think in my, um, just in the past, I think it's been associated maybe with stuff that felt, I don't know, not illuminating. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you couched it in those terms because I think now I can go pick it up and with more, uh, with a more open mind. So thank you for that. I Ching. All right. Yes. So, um, so now, uh, I guess, you know, my first question would be, I want to ask you actually to maybe if you're open to it, take us on a a short practice. I, I really liked the idea of the inner smile. So I thought maybe you would, um, uh, be open to leading us through a short, um, inner smile practice. But before that, I was wondering, is there anything else, you know, based on what we've talked about or maybe what we haven't talked about, um, in terms of the practices of Taoism or um, how they connect to you know our daily life that you maybe want to share or or discuss no no I think uh, you know I, I would love to take uh, the listeners uh, us well us too and whoever's listening in on a on an inner smile meditation it's uh, you know, there there is a saying that uh, talk does not cook the rice, <laughs> and so you know you can talk about it for so long, but you need to do it. Yeah, let, let's um, cook the rice. I, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, um, uh, but I, you know, the inner smile is actually a foundational practice in that it's part of every single other practice you do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, remember I spoke earlier about how, uh, how when you want to, your kids to grow, to be healthy, you give them love, you give them support and, uh, partly you just let them be what they are. The inner smile is a way to sort of do this with yourself and, and expand it to the world around you. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing, the effect of doing the inner smile is that you're opening doors inside that might have been closed. You're, you're activating and, and uh, affirming different aspects of yourself that might have felt been shut down in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, for better or worse, you know, you got to sort of go with where it takes yeah. you. Um, so, uh, 
so it's a it's a relatively simple practice. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually sit down here and and sort of the way I usually lead a class in it is just to do it with everybody and just talk people through it. So the way the way you might start is is doing a little bit of shaking or, or sort of warming up the body a little bit. And I know most of the yoga practices, yoga classes I've been to start with a, a whole set of sun salutations, which is a great uh, a great warm up, but something that sort of warms up your body and gets you in touch with your sort of whole physical self. And then after you do that, let's say we've done that, um, just in the interest of time, mm-hmm. um, then, um, then you sort of sit down and close your eyes and sit. You can sit, lean back. You can do this laying in bed. I like to do it sort of, sort of sitting up with my spine engaged, but just sitting on my, on my sits bones and, and, and on the edge of a chair. And close your eyes. And first of all, just what is a smile? How do you direct a smile inside? Well, just walk with me with this and just remember that the best way to start a smile is actually to put one on your face. Even if you don't feel like smiling, even if you have you have like an inner frown going, um, that's okay. If you put a smile, literally, even if it involves putting a pencil uh, in, in your mouth so that it forces your corners of your lips up to, to put a smile on your face, it really starts the process. So the very first thing is to do that. And then, so if everybody's got a smile on their face, um, then the next thing is you want to sort of kindle this smile inside. And the best way I've found to do that is to, you can imagine either a mirror right in front of your eyes or a close friend or uh, somebody that you really trust. And just, so it can be yourself as well in a, via, via a mirror, and just see and smile at yourself. See them smiling at you. And it's just, it's not... It's just a general, supportive, warm smile. And feel that if you're looking in the mirror in front of yourself and you're feeling that, just feel that support bounce back and accumulate in your eyeballs. So your eyes, you might just sort of feel that your eyes have this sense of warmth, that your eyes are smiling at themselves and you're supporting them, and you can feel a slight warmth. And, you know, this can take a while, or for some people, it can take take no time at all. But what you're doing is you want to take that little fire, little warmth that you started, and invite it, invite the rest of you slowly to join it. So if you're smiling at yourself and your eyes and you feel a little bit of warmth, then allow your eyes to smile at each other. So your two eyes are smiling at each other. They are 
they are, and by smiling, you're supporting, you're saying, man, we're pretty good. You know, we're doing a good job. We're working hard. Um, we can, we can see light is what is, how cool is that? You know, there is uh, a lot. It's basically just appreciation and appreciating the virtues of your eyes. And from there, your eyes are only going to feel better about themselves after this. And, and they will answer by feeling warm. When they start to feel warm or, or, or even light, you know, a sensation of light, you know that your eyes are smiling with you. And from there, you can expand. You can say, well, now let me smile at the left side of my brain, for example. So you're smiling at that whole space. It might feel like a, a big space in your head, but you're smiling at that space. And at the, the brain matter that's there, the kinds of thoughts that are there, um, and you're inviting that part of your physical body and your inner space to join you in this smile. So you're appreciating it and inviting it to join in this kind of unifying smile. And what you will feel at some point is that the left side of your brain kind of becomes a little lighter. The lights seem to come on or it warms up, feels like there's a little glow there. And it's doing that because it feels connection and appreciation and, uh, and unity. So what we do over the course of an inner smile meditation is we're going to basically go expand to different parts of your body. And so starting, let's go to the right side and just direct your, your appreciation of the part of you and the part of you that's already glowing a little bit to the right side of your brain of your head and that inner space and appreciating the aspects of yourself there, appreciating what it does, what kinds of thoughts you can have on that side. Um, so, you know, an inner smile meditation can take, you can do it for 15 minutes, you can do it for an hour, and you sort of follow it as long as you want. So I'm going to just take us a I'm going to I'm guessing that we probably have maybe 5 more minutes. So I'm just going to take us on a meditation that will last about that long. And of course I'm just guessing because I got my eyes closed and I'm smiling. So but let's let the smile on either side of your head just, you know, you're inviting your right side of your head now to join in the smile. So it's not, it's both 
an appreciation, and an invitation. It's just like if you were, if you saw somebody at your house at a party and you were in a party and you saw somebody outside the house looking in, first, you might recognize them, and second, you would invite them in and, you know, it's up to them to take that step. But so that's a gentle kind of approach to yourself that works just as well. And so traveling down, let's say our head, head feels warm and like there's a little gentle celebration going on inside. Now this smile can extend down to your neck, sort of all the way to the base of your neck. Feel where your vocal cords are and where, where the top of your neck or the bottom of your neck is. Just appreciate, I mean, think of what your neck and that whole space is about. It's about speaking. And it's about, it also serves as a separation sometimes to our detriment between our body and our mind, or in our head, our brain. So smile at that space, at the fact that it is a connection between your, it connects your, uh, your brain and your body. And it's a place where you speak your truth from. And so take a moment to appreciate that space Appreciate the words that you say. And we all say things sometimes that we think, oh, that was stupid. That's okay. Appreciate that we all make mistakes and we don't always say the right thing. But appreciating the fact that we said something and that we are basically trying. So... The smile continues. Invite your neck, your throat to join in the smile as well. So it's joining the party. And I'm going to take us down one more layer because I'm not sure of the time. But let's take a moment to all let the smile extend down to your heart. So your heart is, should be your best friend. So smile at, think about all the things your heart does for you. It's beating blood around your body, keeping you alive. It does it without you having to say, okay, say to beat. I mean, just that feat in and of itself, this tireless support is amazing and worthy of appreciation. And then think about all the, how your heart keeps you warm, how it 
the love you feel there, how how important a part of your life that is. You can think about, you can appreciate the dark feelings that might be there as well. The heart has many, many dark feelings that hatred, bitterness, um, irritability, lots of things there that we don't like to associate with ourselves, but we need to recognize that they're all part of the party and invite them, invite them all and invite them to smile with us. So thank now, you, Stephen. That was really excellent. Okay. That was really beautiful. Thank you. I hope I didn't cut you okay. off too short. You see, you uh, seemed like we were at a, a closing point there, but thank you. That was really nice. Um, so now, uh, just to close, um, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to share anything about any upcoming workshops that you're doing or where people can find you if they want to um, come to any of these practices in your area. Well, I teach um, regularly at my house and it's sort of a donation based every week I have people coming in and we, we sort of learn whatever the people there are ready to learn. Um, so that's not quite the, that wouldn't probably work for people that are traveling any distance, Yeah. but there are some great workshops this summer that I would direct people to, uh, as possibilities. Uh, Mantak Chia, who is who started this lineage, he sort of like, I guess, codified many of these practices into a, a teaching sequence. And you can Google Mantak Chia, M-A-N-T-A-K, Chia, C-H-I-A. And he's teaching all over the country, in the U.S., all over the world, really. But he teaches in the U.S. up at, at uh, in Massachusetts at Linux. Okay. And this in June. I'm actually going up there to that. He's a, he's a fantastic teacher and he's got several different workshops he's teaching over the course of three weeks. So I would say that is one great resource. Another excellent resource is Michael Wynn, who teaches all summer long. He has a series of workshops for beginners, intermediate and advanced people in all areas. And he teaches in the mountains in North Carolina near Asheville. Mm. And you could, uh, if you uh, Google Michael Wynn, you will quickly find those workshops. Um, and I can, I, I, I've gone to those every year since I've been doing this, and I've gone to one of Montachia's workshops every year as well, and always learned something new there. That's excellent. Because, yeah. So okay. that would be a great place to start. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been really a pleasure talking with you, Steve. And, um, and I hope you have a fantastic day. And My pleasure. I'll, yes. Yeah. And I'll thank speak you with very you much soon. For, yes. Thanks so much for, uh, for promoting this. Absolutely. Promoting all, all this. Yes. All right. Bye-bye. 
Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Steve Peterson. If you'd like to learn more about Taoism and the practices that Steve and I talked about, you can go to universal-dao, that's T-A-O, universal-dao.com. 